All right, so let's answer some of these cool questions of yours. All right, so first one is when doing more neurologically based therapies, how do you charge for these and where do you come up with a number to charge for parents? Excellent question. So here's the deal. Um, we have a monthly membership program in my office. I don't charge anything different for anything that we do. So in other words, the new patient exam costs this, the monthly costs this, no matter what we do with that person, it costs this. So there's no, and if we do this, it's this much and this and this much and this and this much and this much. Because I don't know about you, I can't, I'm not good with math. Um, so uh, I'd rather just come up with a number that's affordable. That's the most important thing, is affordable. It doesn't make a person have sticker shock. Um, and uh, that number is really going to be based on the number of what it costs in your area. That's a, so it's a relative number based upon that. And so, so that's that's how I come up with that, and that's how I explain it. It's, this is a membership-based plan. If you're doing a membership-based plan, to me, the best thing to do is you need to also uh, be involved with either preferred chiropractic doctor, Cairo Health USA, or some other sort of organization like that. Because if you are, if you have a, let's say, an insurance-based price, which is, let's say, $100 or something like that, and you're charging something less than that, then you better show why that person is getting a, a discounted amount. And the way you, you show that is you have, well, they're in this plan. So as an example, preferred chiropractic doctor or PCD that, that I've been involved with since they started back in the 90s, it costs the patient $37 a year to join, just the same way they have to join like Costco for 100 bucks. It costs them $37 a year to join, and now I can give you these discounts because now you're in this plan. Otherwise, if, especially if you take insurance, we don't take insurance, um, but we used to years ago. But if you take insurance, you have to justify, if, if you got it ever into an audit, well, why did patient A have this membership plan and why did we, you charge me 100 bucks in adjustment, right? So you don't want to get involved in that. So you can say, well, that person who got the membership plan is in the PCD membership or Chicago Health USA, and these people are insurance. Okay, that makes sense. Audit's done. But if you say, well, I don't know, I just, uh, they couldn't afford, they don't have insurance. Well, but you should have charged them insurance fees, right? So you don't want to get caught in that kind of you know, sticky situation. Next question. Biggest red flags when signing a contract for associate? Oh, great question. Um, so here's the biggest thing that you have to have in an associate contract. You need an escape clause. You need an escape clause. One of my former interns signed the contract that was a three-year, non-negotiable, no-escape contract. She hated it after a couple months. She couldn't get out of it. You need an escape clause that says at any point in time, if something, if our relationship isn't working and we come to a mutual you know, agreement, then I can leave within 30 days or 15 days or 60 days or some other amount. That you, but you need to have some kind of escape clause in that contract. Absolutely critical. That's a, such a big thing. I don't want to see anybody get mixed up with that one. Um, and also, let me tell you, the number one red flag with associate uh, contracts is what happened to me. I can only tell you what happened to me. I associated for six months. <clears throat> My, um, the person said, oh, the contract is coming, the contract is coming, I haven't written it up yet, the lawyer hasn't seen it, I have to do this. I started with him because I graduated, now I'm like, okay, I guess it's time now. We can sign a contract. It's not ready yet. Oh, they're still in the printers. I have this, and the lawyer still has it, and I can't get it back from them. And 
he had made all these promises. And what's the whole idea? If it's not written down, it didn't happen. Right? So I started exceeding all the goals that he has set for me and all the things that he said and all the numbers. And, blah, blah, blah. and he's like, oh, yeah, well, I didn't mean it that way. And what I meant was, and what I meant was, I'm like, well, you know, my hands are tied because it's not written down anywhere. So after several months, I was like, see you. I'm done. I'm done. All right, that's it. I, you want to play this game? I'll, you want me to work this hard for you and give me nothing? I'll just do it myself, which I did, and I'm glad I did. So that's a huge thing, is that yeah, make sure you have escape clause, which I did, thankfully, and make sure that you have a contract. And if someone keeps on stalling about a contract, there isn't one. There isn't one. Um, what has been your most unpredictable problem that you have to face in a pediatric clinic? <laughs> That's a good question. The most unpredictable problem I've had to face in my clinic is noise. Uh, when you have five or six families running around like maniacs in that office, it gets loud. Um, like you guys think, you know, you're loud. Uh, you put like 10, 12 kids who are under age six in a small room. Uh, whew, you, know, you know, like it's, it gets really loud. So what I've had to learn and this is, was one of the biggest things I've had to learn as an unpredictable thing, which I didn't expect to learn, is even though I love the open adjusting area to have kids running around, I think it's cool, I've had to learn how to have total focus. So kids are running around and jumping all over me and throwing, uh, a paper airplane goes like this, and a kid goes and bumps into me as I'm adjusting, and I am totally like, mm, right? Uh, and that I did not think I would have to learn that kind of thing, but that's what I had to learn is how to have total equanimity, even though chaos is happening all around me. And I've had a lot of interns who've worked uh, in, in my practice over the years tell me that was the biggest adjustment for them is how to be okay with the chaos because we're all used to sitting in a classroom that's quiet like this, right? And my office is far from quiet. Um, so that's, I think, my, the big, that's a great question. That was my biggest unpredictable issue. How would you adjust a baby versus a child's scapula? Hmm. How much force? Well, um, a baby's scapula, I'll take uh, Sydney over here. A baby's scapula, I would use my fingers uh, like this, my index and thumb, and I would put, go onto the inferior angle of that, and I would check lateral to medial and medial to lateral movement like this, and I'd see which way it isn't going, and I'd adjust it in the direction it wasn't going. So let's say it was, I, I, I'm on the medial border here with my thumb and I push laterally and it's not going laterally, then I would just push it lateral to medial, I mean medial to lateral or vice versa. So that's how, how I adjust a baby scapula. And I'm using the same thing with everything else. Sustained contact is not a lot of force. And the bigger the child, the little, little bit more, you know, force. But we, yeah, the whole point, like we talked about all quite along with Webster, is use the least amount of force for the most amount of results. With an older kid, I would just use an activator and do the activator bar call. Okay, uh, best way to develop new patient paperwork for infant exams or what should you make sure not to forget during exam? So, great question. So, my new patient paperwork, first off, we have spe special new patient intake paperwork for pediatrics, for prenatal, and for adults. And then, and then we have special exams for you know, infant, uh, for infants, for regular pediatric, for adults, and for prenatal. So, we, we, and we, so I created these myself. And what I suggest to you is what do you want to look for? So I don't have orthopedic tests on my thing. I don't have any junk stuff. Like I don't have any 
waste of time stuff, the only thing I have in my exam forms is the stuff that I want to look at. Either A, am I going to adjust differently with this information? Or B, um, are there exercises I'm going to give to undo some of these kind of issues? So that's how, what, so, so every one of my exams has sp very specific things because it's all about A, what adjustments do you do, or B, what exercises. So it really depends on what your focus is in your practice. For me, it's very functional neurologically based, so I have a lot more of that involved with most of these things. Good questions. What would be your top five questions or requirements to expect from a pediatric chiropractic office in order to decide whether to associate there or not? Wow, very good question. I don't know if I have five of them, but I can think of a few. Number one, do you want to be there? I don't mean, is the money good? Right? Hear me now. It's not about the money. Right? And money is important. You want to pay back your loans. I get that. They're going to be paid back. They're going to be paid back like this. You're not going to believe how quickly you're just going to pay those things back. So I know $250,000, whatever it is, it just goes like this. Once you start paying it, paying it, paying it, paying it, you're going to go whoosh. And you're going to pay it right off. And I'll tell you how to do that in a second. So don't do it about the money. Do it because you either, A, you really want to learn from that chiropractor, right? That he's, he or she or they are a mentor of yours. So, you know, like you want to learn Gonstead. So you're going to go to the best Gonstead, you know, doctor in that particular region. Number one. Number two is you... Um, you want to look at that area because you're thinking about moving to that particular region. You, you, you love Tennessee. So you say, all right, well, I'm going to practice in Knoxville and I'm going to check out like Chattanooga and Nashville and Memphis as I'm there and just check out the region and see what you like. So, so you're using that as like a home base to kind of check out, you know, different things. That's another, you know, good reason to, to uh, associate uh, in a particular place. Um, number, like, and so don't use, don't use like, Here's the, the biggest mistake that I see people make, and I see it all the time. I'm going to save some money while I'm an associate, and then I'll start my own practice. Good luck with that. Right? Unless you happen to land a very rare associateship where you're making 120 grand a year, you're not going to be saving a whole lot of money. You got rent, you got mortgages, you got car payments, you got student loans, all this other stuff. It, the associateship is really about getting your feet wet and getting you ready to do whatever next step it's going to be. You might land a great associateship. Sometimes it's a lifetime thing. You become a partner. It's great. But I would just tell you from what I've seen over the years, that isn't common. Um, those are the, the, the biggest things, you know, to me is, is that people, the biggest mistake that I see is people are going for the wrong reasons. And the, the biggest wrong reason is the money. Man, you, you better like that place because you're going to be there a lot. And so you better like whoever you're working, you know, with, because they're going to ruin your life if you're not going to, if you don't like it. I've watched some of my interns just have the, you know, former interns have the most horrible time in places because they said, this is going to be the best place. I'll make so much money. Do and then there's all these lies, deceit, issues, problems. Like, they're calling me up. How do I get out of this? I don't have an escape clause. You told me. Right? So choose wisely. And here's another big thing, too. There's no rush. You don't got to rush out of here and have a job instantaneously. That'd be nice if you did. It'd be nice if you did, but don't rush. Don't make a decision because I'm about to graduate. I just got to make a decision. I just make a decision. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do it to yourself. It, it, like, it's just like buying a house. Buy something that you really want. Don't settle. You settle, you're going to hurt yourself in the end. Good question, though. How to negotiate a good contract as an associate? Okay. <clears throat> I think I've talked about that, a couple of important things uh, for that. 
process of writing up a case study. Oh, wow. Um, I am writing a case study right now for IAFNR. Uh, it's one of the requirements. Uh, what I did is I took, um, I, I just randomly chose like the next 10 or so uh, kids on the spectrum who went, came into my practice, and I'm writing up um, how, how, what they look like when they first came in and at their first re-exam based upon the different things that I do in my office with their eyes, with their primitive reflexes, with their core, all these kind of things. And I'm, so I'm creating a case study. And the, way, the best way to, to, do, to write up a case study, if you've never done it by yourself before, is look at other case studies. You know, go into other journals, read case studies, and kind of mimic those case studies. If you need help uh, and you're in the ICPA, Dr. Alicantara, our research director, will help you. If you need help and you want to do it through Life University, I'm sure Dr. Stephanie Sullivan will help you. Um, so, that we, so whether you're ICPA or Life University and or both, you've got some great resources out there to help you. And you all should do this because it's, it's important. We need more research out there. Uh, top tips, next step for future pediatric prenatal focused associate docs. <clears throat> okay, so uh, if, if, if I was in your shoes now and I was just graduating, I would do two things. I would plan on two things. A, get ICPA certified. B, get Melillo certified. Those are the two things I plan on over the next, and that's, that is a five years plan right there because it's going to take you a while to do Melillo, Robert Melillo. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the two most important seminar series that I've ever got certifications in were those two. So I would, I would recommend that in your next five years, your plan is become the best, become the authority, become the authority in your area. That should be your plan. That in five years time, I am the person because I am now certified in this, I'm certified in that, and now who's gonna come to me is people who are looking for someone who really has spent the extra time, energy, and effort training to do this. At what point of growth did you hire an associate or more team members? Did you start with a CA? Yes. How much square footage? How did you choose square footage? Wow. Okay. I chose where to practice because I fell in love with that location. And that's how you choose where to practice is fall in love with it. Don't go back to your hometown because it's easy. It's not easy going into your hometown if you don't want to be there. Right? Uh, don't go to some place because it's cheap. Um, it's really cheap rent. Well, is that where you want to be? Right? So as an example, the place that my wife uh, and I found where I'm practicing in now is a place that we... We drove by a thousand times, and every time we drove by that corner, we're like, we love this place, we love this place, we love this place, we love this place. And then suddenly, for rent, I'm like, look at that, right? So, um, so that's how you, how you find the places. Where, go where you love. Uh, if you, and here's a big thing, too. If, if you don't have a place to go right now, then find a place that you want to go to. If you love the ocean, then like check out places by the ocean. If you love mountains, go near a mountain, right? If you love big cities and you're from a little town, go to a big city. So explore. Use this time to explore. Did you start with a CA? Yes, 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 yes. So many people say, you don't need a CA. Why waste many CAs? Don't not have a CA. Because first off, it ain't your job. I don't care what some of these computer programs claim that they'll do for you, um, but I recommend you need to have another human in the office um, because you want someone, especially like I have an open adjusting area. I like that. That's my CA sitting right there who can, excuse me, corroborate whatever I did. I have an intern in my, in every room when I adjust someone, if I, or when we do an exam, there's always, you know, someone with me so that there's never a question of what did Dr. Rubin do? 
because you are with me, right? So it's not just me and the patient. It's me, the patient, and someone else. So there's always someone else with me. So you never want to be alone in an office. Do you, question, Chan? Yeah, my follow-up question is, did you start day one with the CA? Yes. I'd pay them, even if I had no money, I would figure out a way to pay them. But yeah, absolutely, day one. Now, there are some people who disagree with me, and that's fine. Uh, they say, you can just use this system, and they just swipe the credit card one. Yeah, you could do that, but what happens if someone questions something that you did, and you're the only person in that office? And you can't, and you can't back up. Whose word are they going to believe? They ain't believe in you. Trust me. They believe in them. So God bless you. Uh, and th this, this is another important thing. If you're going to do a home visit, which I'm not particularly fond of, if you're going to do home visits or these mobile chiropractic offices, which, once again, I'm, I, I'm not a fan, but if someone wants to do it that way, you've got to go with someone else. Do not go into someone's home or business or school or whatever by yourself. It's just danger. In this day and age, I hate saying it, in this day and age, you're just looking for misconduct. God bless you. You're just looking for misconduct suit. It's just not worth it. Because if they say, well, this person touched me that way and you got nobody who is there backing you up, then they're right. And bye-bye license, right? $200,000, right? And it's not just $200,000, it's $200,000 plus all the earned income you could have made, right? That's millions and millions. I don't know how many millions I've made over the course of my 30 years of practice, but that's a whole boatload of money that I ain't playing dice for. So, good questions. Square footage, start with the smallest you possibly can. My first office in New Jersey was 800 square feet. It was tiny. But that's all I needed. I just needed to start, and I blew out of that place. Right? So, it's much better for you to blow out of a place than I've had some, you know, uh, interns start with places. They're like, oh, I'm going to start with 5,000 square feet. I'm like, oh, yeah, you can go ahead and do that. You're going to start with 5,000 square feet. But that's a lot of money a month. You know? Unless someone else is paying for it, that's a lot of money a month. All right, almost done. Um, if you have to leave because it is 4.30, go ahead. Um, how many adjusting rooms do you have? I have one main adjusting room with five adjusting benches. I have an exam room. Uh, I have a report of findings room, my office, a massage therapy room, and an intern room. So I don't know how many rooms that is. But um, the, the main, I have a, a, a very large open adjusting area. And to me, that's the most important thing. And I love open adjusting because I think open adjusting is it puts you in a much safer place than you being alone with someone in a room. Um, so if, if I went, like when we went into, into this office, it was all closed down, I said, knock all the walls. And what? I said, I said, I want a thousand square feet of just open. So that's what they made for me in the, in the front of the office. It's a thousand square feet of just open. Question? So Yes, absolutely. You have to have, if you have open adjusting, you must, by law, provide them with an option of closed adjusting. So I have, th I have a table in every one of my, I have a table in my exam room, a table in the ROF room, a table in my office. So I have three other rooms because we're constantly having kids who are like, you know, on the spectrum, lower functioning, kids who are in wheelchairs, uh, people who are very immunocompromised, they're the ones who want to go into these back rooms, fine. So we can put them in one of our three back rooms. Yeah, good question. Okay. Um, do you think having a mom's room is important? Um, uh, well, we use one of our extra rooms as a nursing room. So I do not have it only as a nursing room, but if, some, if a mom needs to nurse, 
we have, um, yeah, you go into back into that one room that's open, and then that's your nursing room. And um, we also, just as an aside, we have a diaper genie and a diaper changing station in my bathroom. And we also have a basket uh, in on the uh, next to the diaper uh, genie and diaper changing station with diapers and wipes of all different sizes because sometimes moms forget to bring their diapers in or it's the other day it was like teeming out, raining so hard and a kid had a blowout and the mom's like, oh my God, I don't want to go to the car. I said, don't worry about it, just go in the bathroom and take one of the diapers. <clears throat> Open or associate, great question. Depends on the person. Depends on the person. Uh, some people aren't ready to, to open up by themselves, and that's totally fine. And I respect that. If they want to associate, that's great. Um, some people will never open up by themselves, which I think is great, too. Uh, I am kind of headstrong, as you probably have guessed. So um, for me, being an associate wasn't really a good idea because I want things my way. And now they are. <laughs> uh, so I like that. So, so that really is very much a personality thing and how much you're ready. Don't wait for the money. I had zero money. I, I, I've told you this before. My, I graduated. I had zero money, nothing at all. I was able to scrounge up $10,000 uh, when I first graduated, and that was the seed money to open up my practice. So I didn't, my parents gave me nothing except for love and a couple of lamps and a couple of chairs for my first office, which was a hodgepodge mishmash of an office when I first opened up. But nobody came to me because I, was, I had a Taj Mahal or because I had a... You know, different. My, my first front desk was two different file cabinets that my, my father gave me that were different heights like this. <clears throat> and we, we bought a piece of wood, put the piece of wood on top of it, and it was like this. So we put a, a, a phone book underneath it. <clears throat> well, do you know what phone books are? Do you remember those things? They're like this way. So, <laughs> so we put a phone book underneath it like this to even it out, right? But nobody said, Dr. Rubin, there's a phone book underneath your front desk. Nobody cared because they were coming to see me and not that. <clears throat> um, what are your green and red flags? Look, we did a contract already. What's a good price for adjustments, exams, and any therapies? <clears throat> really depends on where you are. <clears throat> so if you are in like Buckhead or Central Park West, you're going to charge a whole different ballgame than you're if in, you know, little of nowhere in some, you know, like you're in Valdosta, you know, Georgia. You're not going to charge the same prices. So everything is really relative as to where you're at. You find out what other people are charging. If you don't want to ask people, you just go on Medicare and you can see what their Medicare basic charges are, um, which isn't 100% accurate, but it's something uh, to look at if, you're, if you don't want to actually talk to humans. Um, and that's another way for you to find out. And then you base it uh, on that. And either and you, what I, my recommendation is you have a per visit fee if you, people want to pay per visit and you have the membership fee. That's how we do it. You don't have to do it that way. Um, but that's how I think, that's, I think the best way to do it. Because if you have a per visit fee, then they come when they can pay and they, they don't come when they, when they can't pay, right? You have a monthly membership fee that gets them into the idea, I need to be here. And, my, and as I've told you before, my care plans are, are six months minimum is my care plans. So we don't have little care plans. We only have long care plans. So if they don't want that, then we're not interested. Just a few more questions and then we'll be done. Anybody who needs to leave, go ahead. How do you explain the need for chiropractic care if the baby is not suffering from any complaint? <laughs> okay, good question. The way, adios. Um, the, way, uh, what I, the way I explain chiropractic care if they don't have any complaint is that's half of my babies, right? Most of my babies in my practice are moms who had a baby 
because they are getting adjusted their whole pregnancy. And then they have the baby and they say, check the baby. Right? So that, that's, there's no explanation needed because everybody needs chiropractic care. Right? If you have a spine, you need chiropractic. That's really what it boils down to. When there is an adult teenager that was a child that had frequent ear infections, how would you adjust them? If they're still having ear problems? Um, if someone's still having problems, uh, they had them as a kid and they're still having them now, I'd check neurology. Something else is going on with them. It's not, it's pro, it's, ears are probably not the only thing that's happening. There's probably something else going on. Two more questions. How do you know what acceptable salary is for an associate position? Once again, it depends on where you're at. Uh, in the middle of New York City, you're gonna, it's going to be a whole lot different you know, uh, uh, amount of money than it is going to be for you know, somewhere in Atlanta versus somewhere in the farm you know, rural area. Um, so it really depends on where you're at, number one. And number two is um, it's not about the money. It's about the experience. Now, certainly you're not going to go there for free. I'm not suggesting you go there for free and, and, you know, or do some like, very little amount. But the idea is to get the experience with either that person or that technique or just getting yourself seasoned and ready. So it's not about making the, the amount of money. Because that's what so many people, I just want this $80,000 salary a year. You just graduated. You don't know anything. That you're just not ready for that unless you happen to be, unless you're just in New York City, right? So, um, you know, reasonable salaries really depend on where you're at um, and what experience you're bringing to the table. Uh, so, but I think we need to, to understand that the, you're, you will make more money when you are worth more to that person. Show the person how much you're worth. Bring in all kinds of patients. Educate his patients. Bust up his practice. I've watched some of my former interns go out to other places and say, I'm going to build a pediatric practice for you. And they, they go into their office that's been a non-pediatric practice, and they ask every single person in that practice that they're adjusting, bring in your kids, bring in your kids. And now within a month or two, they doubled their, their, that person's practice. That's valuable. I would pay double for that person if that person came in, Right? But prove it. You don't come out saying, I want this. You come in there and you say, I'm willing to start with this. But if I do this, will you pay me this? Right? Right? Because it's all about service. You're there to serve. Right? If you say, give me, give me, give me, I'd be like, that's nice. Right? But if you say, I want to serve, okay, show me. Show me if you're willing to serve. How can you tell if an associate position is for you based on the contract. You can't tell based on a contract, <laughs> right? The, the contract, I mean, they could be offering you, I'm gonna pay you a huge uh, a thing. This is what happened to another one of our interns. I'm gonna, a huge salary, but you're gonna work in six and a half days a week. No vacations for your first year. Uh, you can't go to seminars. We're not gonna pay anything else for you. And you're just like running around like a maniac. You're doing screenings almost every single day. And this thing, that's not for me. I don't care that I'm getting paid a huge amount of money if I'm not gonna have a life. Right, so uh, the contract alone isn't it. Um, it's really what what the relationship you're going to have with this person, right? How are you going to build this? Are you are you going to be better by being there or not? That's the big question you need to ask yourselves. So, thank you very much, guys. This was really great. Good luck on uh, on finals, and I'll see you soon.